I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. Cormac and Saoirse here on Room 104. Remember, you can listen back to the shows in full and get the interviews and segments individually on the Room 104 podcast, so you can check that out on your usual podcast platforms now. Time for Poker Face. We bring a guest on. They'll tell you three things about themselves. One of those things is a lie. If you're able to spot which one of the three stories is a lie, just let us know and you'll be winning this evening. 0876797104. Delighted to be joined on the line now by the wonderful, brilliant Rebecca from the Irish band Sick Love. Rebecca, how are things? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you doing? Good, I'm good. Doing quite good. Um, now, yeah. I have been doing pretty good with Poker Face the last few weeks. I <laughs> have guessed right, so I'm hoping that continues. Are you a good liar? Um, I would probably say I am a terrible liar. Um, but maybe oh. because you can't see my face, it'll be okay. Because usually I'm like an open book. Anyone can tell if I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that through the phone will give me a bit of luck. Oh, I like that. Yeah, we, we miss out on some cues. What is your usual tell? Like, Saoirse's tell when she's lying is she'll avoid eye contact and look down at the ground <laughs> and grab some of her hair and go, yeah, no, it's totally fine. Yeah, Saoirse, the house is on fire. No, it's not fine. So that would be her tell. Like, do you have any kind of giveaways that you would do when you're lying? Uh, my tell is usually just that I just give it up, like, straight away. I'm like, okay, I'm lying. I'm sorry. I, 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 it's, that's the tell. I just tell. Uh, you oh, that's good. You're an honest person. Ever, yeah. I think it's just... Worst yeah, criminal, I just, but... I can't, I can't keep it together. Mm. Yeah, I find that too. I go really red, and as Cormac said, I just look at the ground, and then you know I'm yes. lying. So I don't ever <laughs> tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm lying, but you know it, so... Yeah. Um, that's me. Okay, think- well... I'm I'm interested to hear these uh, these stories. So go ahead with the first one. Oh no! Hi, okay. hi, hi. Before before we go on to the first one, are you a pro bounty bar or anti bounty bar? Oh, for God's sake! Here we go. This is actually really controversial. Okay. No, Rebecca, come on now. I I actually don't like chocolate at all. What? Real, real oh, and with that, the interview Sorry. ended. Thank you very Hang much, on a second. Rebecca. Good luck. <laughs> See you. Bye. Maybe you've just given away the answer to what. The fake story. Uh, you don't like chocolate. One. That would have been an amazing one. Who doesn't like chocolate? Yeah, I would have been given up straight away then. If I had to choose one bar, I'd probably pick like a milky bar because it's the least chocolatey bar you can get. And that'd be great. <gasps> Why I'm don't so you confused. like chocolate? I don't know. It's trouble, child. So, <laughs> what, what do you eat instead, though? What's your go-to if you're watching a film? 
I'm a okay. I'm a real junk food person, so I lo- I love like having popcorn and like pizza, and I love my Chinese and everything. But like sweets don't really do it for me. I just do it in, like big just savory. Yeah, yeah exactly. back in the day, you're, the wooden spoon your mother had was made of chocolate, and that's what she bet you with. And ever since, you're like, no chocolate, no thank you. I've been you. traumatized. That's it. God, that's unusual. Because, you know, especially as a child, you usually get bribed with chocolate. Rebecca's like, no. And it wasn't like I was deprived or anything. My mom would nearly be like, please eat it, so they don't think it's weird or anything. <laughs> That's You're there in school, just, you know, like, throwing chocolate out, but keep, keeping the rappers going, no, just have my Mars bar, so I'm cool. Don't worry about it, guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> wow. God, yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. That's going to keep I'm, me up tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll be up and awake. So, listen, let's go through again before before just we start quickly. Everywhere I've gone out, have you noticed this, if you've been back into a pub or a restaurant over the last few days, there's the generic, you know, lockdown questions. I was like, how have you been managing? It's good to be out, oh, anyway, isn't it? It's great to be back outside and at least doing something. But how has the band been managing over uh, since lockdown? Because, obviously, not a very conducive environment to gigging and making music. Yeah, it was, like, at the start, it was really weird because, obviously, none of us could be around each other. We couldn't be mm. in a room together or anything like that. So that was really tough. But actually, since we've been back and since we've actually been able to, like, play in our rehearsal room and everything together, it's been, like, amazing. I think, like, the break away from each other, like, absence make the heart grow fonder, you know, like, it's actually been really, really good. And we're actually in the middle of writing our album at the moment. So it's been really, really good. Oh, that's brilliant. And what about yeah. any gigs, upcoming gigs, like next year, or have you anything planned for later in the year? I mean, like, gigs, yeah, it's still so up in the air. But, like, I mean, we are planning for whenever it gets going, we'll be there. Um, but, yeah, the main focus is recording our album and getting that out, hopefully, this year, if it's still all going well. But it could be next year, you never know. Okay. Yeah, I don't even know what the crack is with... Yeah, with, with gigs, there's some, been obviously some talk, some outdoor gigs and stuff like that, but it, fingers yeah. crossed, yeah, sooner rather than later. But we'll we'll, uh, we'll we'll crack on, right? So you've got three things for us, and apparently the biggest challenge tonight for Rebecca is not just, it, it will be her not telling us which one the lie is and not giving yeah. up halfway through it. So three of these things, one is not true, two is true, and if you if you're, think you know which one is not true, drop us a WhatsApp in t- t- the first story, second story, or third thing. 0876797104. But listen, Rebecca, you might as well, yeah, give us the... Uh, Give us the first thing you have for us tonight. Okay. First one. At our first ever London show that we ever played, I actually broke my foot that day, and then I ended up having to play the whole show, like 40 minutes set, limping on a broken foot in agony. And that was my first time ever playing in the UK. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. That would be horrific. Yeah, Yeah. that was really, really tough. Um, And then the second one. So as a child, I was actually an All-Ireland Gymnast champion. And I was kind of at a crossroads of, like, would I pursue the gymnastics or would I go down and pursue music? And I ended up pursuing music then instead of gymnastics. Oh, that's exciting okay. as well. I yeah. didn't know we had gymnastics in this country, but yeah, there you go. Gymnastics oh, yeah. is huge. Yeah. Oh, is gymnastics, it? yeah. Like, there's so many yeah. competitions. It's crazy. Right, okay. That's the second thing. Third thing? Yeah. Okay, and then the third thing. So one time we were actually playing a show in Tower Records in town. Mm-hmm. And who was there? Only Louis Walsh. But it was so loud and crazy that he actually made a break for the exit after one song. He couldn't handle it. <laughs> oh, Louis. Yeah. I know. Oh, okay. He's too old. Okay. 
<laughs> okay, how are we feeling? So the first story, you broke your foot, your first London show, and we're doing a whole gig limping around uh, on stage. The second one was you were a, a kind of a, a young gymnastics champion and had to make the big call between gymnastics and music. You choose music. And then the third story is Louis Walsh showing up one of your gigs in Tower Records or a performance in Tower Records and just uh, legging it after mm-hmm. one song. Right, okay. What do you think Rebecca is lying about this evening on the show? Is it the first story, the second one, or the third? Have a think, which is just not sitting well with you. 87 104 Saoirse, what are you thinking? Um, this one's tricky this week. There's none standing out in my head, but I would say I think the second one could be the false story because I'd say you did do gymnastics when you were younger. But I don't know if you are going to pursue it on a kind of serious level. So I think that could be the lie. The I think Louis story. Walsh can be a grump for the most part. And uh, <laughs> I can imagine him walking out of Tower Records. So I think that could be true. And then definitely, you know, breaking your foot and stuff. That's believable too. And traumatizing, yeah. especially your first gig in London. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with the second one. Right, okay. Uh, don't give anything away as of yet. Uh, Rebecca. Okay, uh, Mark, good evening. 0876797104. He WhatsApped in to say he thinks it's number one. Ian has said number one as well. Dan has said three. Kira has said three. Susan has said story number two. Mark and Ian are both saying number one. Now, here's my take on number one. For somebody who just told us that she cannot lie, I'm going to presume, make a big presumption now that Rebecca wouldn't have opened up with a lie. I'd say she would open up with something that's true to get the ball rolling and to kind of get the confidence up. So I would presume it's either the second or the third story that is not true. And again, she could be fooling us. Actually, do you know what? Actually, this whole thing could be, again, M. Night Shyamalan twist that she could turn around and the whole, (laughs) I'm not good at lying, is a massive lie. And then we'll all be like, God damn it, I don't know what's going on. So maybe we're all getting fooled. Uh, I'm going to go with two or three. So you said Sisha two. I think two, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think she probably played gymnastics, or played gymnastics, did gymnastics, uh, but maybe was never going to pursue it on a professional level. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to say for, I'm going to say story number three for the crack. I think that is the, the fake one. So I'm going to join Dan and Kira and everyone else who texts and saying story number three. Don't reveal anything just yet, Rebecca. We'll see. If there's any more texts coming in, 087-67-97104. Uh, Shauna, what's the story? She's messaged in saying third story. Uh, Jacinta has said third story as well. So tell you what. We'll t- play a quick song right now and we'll let a few more of the text come in. 087-67-97104. Rebecca, quickly recap. What were the three stories you had there? So first one, broke my foot on our first ever London show and I had to play with a broken foot. Second one, I was almost pursuing a career in gymnastics as an All-Ireland champion. And then the third one, that we played a show in Tower Records and Louis Walsh walked out after one song. All very believable, all delivered very confidently as well. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm torn and I'm stuck. But anyway, let us know what you think is not true. You're listening out for the story that is the lie, that is not true. One, two or three, 0876797104. If you can hang on there a few moments, uh, Rebecca, we will be back to you and some of the other guesses that have come in and answers that have come in. FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Long. Right now, though, we are in the middle of... Oh, 
Poker Face, it's a very easy game. We invite a guest on and they'll tell you three things about themselves. If you are able to spot when they're lying, you just let us know. Is it the first, second or third thing? One, two or three to 0876797104. Joining us now from Irish band Sick Love, uh, Rebecca. Rebecca, hopefully you're still on the line with us. I sure am. Yay! <laughs> Lovely. Still um, really confused, by the way. I still don't know if I'm 100% sure with number two, but I'm still going to stick with it anyway. Okay, so if someone has just tuned in, can you give us a quick recap of those three things again? Yeah, so the first one, at our first ever London show, I broke my foot and I had to play the whole show with a broken foot. Second one, as a child, I was an All-Ireland Gymnastics champion and I had to make a choice between pursuing gymnastics or pursuing music. And then the third one, we were playing a show in Tower Records and Louis Walsh was there, but he left after one song. He couldn't take it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe I checked you up this whole time that I'm actually a great liar. I know, <laughs> I think it. you might yeah, be. This one, well, we're worrying about Rebecca, this is what we're worrying about a lot. <laughs> Katie has messaged in. Good evening, Katie. Um, oh, it's seven six seven nine seven one zero four. She thinks number two as well. She's kind of agreeing with you, Sisha. And uh, the other ones are f- fairly evenly spit. Mark said one. Ian said one. Dan and Kira have both said three. Susan has said two. Jacinta has said three. Uh, Shauna has said the third story is not true. <laughs> now I'm starting to doubt myself because maybe if she's a really bad liar, she wanted to get the lie out of the way early and the first story isn't true and then she can end on two and three, which are more uh, solid, legitimate ones. So listen, I'm just going to I'm gonna stick with the one that I said. Um, oh, I have a question in here now. Hang on. <clears throat> Cormac, ask that lady, where did you get the name for the band? Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. So... Hmm. We were, yeah, we used to have a different band name before and we were just trying to think of something that sounded cool and was, like, catchy or whatever. And I was just, like, scrolling through, like, Spotify playlists and everything, just looking at songs, whatever. And then Sick Love by Red Hot Chili Peppers popped up. And I was like, that's actually really cool. And that's literally, that was literally it. Um, I don't, I'm not really even a Chili Peppers fan, but I just thought it sounded cool. Yeah, yeah, I'm a huge fan of theirs, but that's that is. I was thinking myself, I was like, that's a really good name for a band. I like it. Yeah, we just wanted something that was like our old band name. We always had this problem, like when we were in pubs and everything like that, we would say it, and it was really easy to like get the name wrong or be muffled or anything like oh, that. Nobody, yeah. nobody ever knew what our name was. We were like, let's make it as quick and easy to hear as possible. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a sick love. Sick love are very easy and easy to pronounce as well and will sound good over a PA system in a crowded, noisy bar. Job exactly. job well done. Right, yeah. so listen, uh, there you go. The three stories again are the first story is about breaking your foot, gigging in London for the first time, hobbling around like a mad woman on stage. The second one is having to make the big call between gymnastics or music, or, or gymnastics or music as an underage All-Ireland Gymnastics champion. The third story is Louis Walsh walking out of your gig in Tower Records because he's old and boring now and doesn't like loud noises. Right. <laughs> uh, Leah, is that how you pronounce L-E-I-L-A? I think so. Leah here, guys. Uh, I think the second story is not true. I think the, the second story is... Um, a lot of people going with you here, seriously, this evening. I'm going to go with the third story, right? Okay, here's what we'll do. Two of these two stories are obviously 100% true, things that did happen. So two of them are. So will you just tell us, so we can kind of eliminate a few stories here. Will you tell us one of the stories that is 100% true? Okay. Number one 
is true. Oh, yes. yes. Wow. There yes, you go. Yes, That's yes, your yes, first yes, analogy yes. was maybe she's going to tell the truth first. That was and then somewhere in between. Like, yeah. So okay. I'm glad. Yeah. Okay. So we're both in the game, Cormac. Right. That's good to hear. So you did actually break your mm. foot and have to gig on a broken foot. That must have been fun. Yeah. I didn't really, okay. Like, I didn't really know how bad it was until I actually got on the stage and, like, played for 40 minutes. Um, and I was like, this is excruciating. I can't walk. <laughs> I kept going. Oh, and there's nothing there's actually, worse. Yeah, there's like video footage somewhere from it, like from years ago. And like literally the whole video, I'm limping on this stage, just pretending like nothing's happening. Like trying to sing or play an instrument while on stage with a broken foot. Yeah, I'm like, this Impressive. is fine. This is so fine. I'm grand. Well, you maybe get some of the screaming out here and some of the vocals, like the really high notes. You're like, yeah, woo! <laughs> and you're like just letting the screams out that way when it's yeah. kind of hidden. But 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 also it's worse. At least when you're on your feet, like I've never broken my foot, but I've like torn ligaments to bits in both my ankles to the point where I had to wear like special shoes because I kept falling over all the time. But <laughs> you're uh, such a nerd. I'm not a nerd, okay? Uh, I had to. Uh, it was, the doctor said so. No, but I had to have locked my ankles in because they were destroyed. But it's obviously worse than when you stop moving on it because when, when you're moving around and the blood's flowing, you kind of get away with it a little bit. But I imagine then it just seized up as soon as you got off your feet. Yeah, as soon as I got off, I was like, oh, damn. I've, I've done some damage here. And now we, have, <laughs> now, we have just, now we have to go along the rest of the night. And I'm like, just have some more pints. It'll be fine. It'll be grand. <laughs> So, yeah, it wasn't good. Okay. True musician. Right. right. Yeah. Rock and roll. So, we were, we were all correct with that one. So, now, if you, unfortunately, if you WhatsApped in one, you're incorrect. It's down now to the second story or the third story. Uh, Sean is still in the game. Who else? Shauna, Jacintha. Uh, sorry, who was that last one? It was This came in from, sorry, Katie as well. A lot of people who are still in the game now, two or three. So the second story was choosing between music and gymnastics, being an underage uh, All-Ireland gymnastics champion. And the third story, Louis Walsh walking out. I'm going to stick with story number three. Sasha, would you like to change? No, I'm going to stick with story number two being the lie. Okay, okay. Um, you might as well now, Rebecca, here this evening... Put us out of our misery and tell us which story was not true, which is the made-up... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bye. Okay. It was number two. Uh, Yay! I'm so good at this game. Please, go on, play the foghorn for me. Yes. Delighted. No. Oh, I'm on a winning streak. I should do the lotto. You should do the lotto. So you're not a gymnastics champion. No, I'm actually the most unathletic person I've ever been. (laughs) Stop it. So you didn't even play, or why do I keep saying play? You didn't even do gymnastics as a child or anything. No, like that was actually pretty generous if you think I actually did it as well. Like, I no, never in my life. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about this, for someone who was obviously klutzy enough to break their foot on stage, how they could have done gymnastics <laughs> as a child was a dead giveaway. I'm such an idiot. Exactly. I didn't even put two and two together there at all. Yeah, no, I'm the biggest klutz you'll ever find. So they are totally related then. Where did you come up with the lie? Did you just think of gymnastics off your, off the top of your head? I just said, like, what's the one thing that I would absolutely never do and <laughs> <laughs> it could have been any sport but I said that one that one's pretty good in a way I'm kind of sad Louis Walsh walked out of Tower Records after one song yeah he did but we kind of took it as a win as well we were like well you know like said old man music whatever <laughs> Yeah, Louis is definitely. into his, uh, you know, his commercial pop, and that's not you guys. Okay, I don't think no, he's been able no. to do anything for you. No, we would have burst his eardrums. Poor man. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Louis Walsh left on a Zimmer frame, uh, going down yeah. one of those, you know, like lifts on the side of the stairs for old people, and then out the door. It's like, good luck, <laughs> see you, bye. So, damn it! Uh, congratulations to you, Sirsha. Congratulations to every single person who got that right as well. My God, way, way off the mark. So, um. Louis Walsh walked out of your gigs. You broke your foot on stage, but you were never a gymnastics champion. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We've learned a lot here this evening. And you also hate chocolate. So, a really, an emotional roller coaster this evening there, Rebecca, here with you. But listen, uh, before we let you go, one, obviously, thanks a million for popping on this evening. Uh, plug the social media handles for Sick Love, your band. Where is the best place to get you? Yeah, well, we're on Instagram as We Are Sick Love, Twitter as well, the same thing on Facebook and we're on Spotify is Sick Love so you can see all our music there and we're going to have loads of new music soon then because we're starting our album this weekend recording it so it's yeah that's where you can find everything yeah Very do exciting. go and as we said support Irish here now um, this year more than ever Sick Love all their music up on Spotify you'll find them online over like millions of streams up on uh, Spotify at the moment as well listen Rebecca yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure very best of luck um, with everything in the future as well and we will chat you again soon thank you so much no Thanks, worries Mel. thank you very much for popping on uh, Sick Love is the name of the band go and uh, check the guys out uh, online on the way next on the show uh, Professor David Nutt you might have heard him before he is uh, one of the world's export, uh, experts and kind of foremost uh, commentators on the whole area of drug science and drug policy he was one of the highest um, um, advisors to the UK government back in the day and then got fired for saying that the evidence shows that ecstasy is safer than horse riding in the UK. They didn't like that. He was sacked for saying that. And since then, he's been advocating for a more science and evidence-based approach to drugs policy. So he's going to be on the line next. And if you have any questions... FM 104's Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. Cormac and Saoirse here, and I'm delighted to uh, welcome onto the show now someone who has had an incredibly interesting career over the last number of years and has an incredibly interesting story as well, researches the science behind various different drugs from alcohol to class A drugs to ecstasy, has had one of the most 
glorious sackings of all time. And I hope he won't mind us that we're going to maybe chat about that in a few moments. He is currently the uh, Edwin J. Saffer Professor of Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm giving myself an award for pronouncing that correctly first time. And is also the uh, Director of the Neuropsychopharmacology Unit in the Division of Brain Sciences. An incredibly intelligent, incredibly important man as well. Professor David Nutt, thanks a million for joining us on the show. You're very kind. Thank you. No worries at all. We are we're delighted to be speaking to you and uh, talking about some of the work you've been doing over the last uh, last number of years and the last thirty years. And um, for people who may not be hundred percent familiar with your story, um, you used to be a government employee and be an advisor to the UK government, and that came to an unfortunate crashing halt. Yeah, I, w- I was the chief drugs advisor for, for about ten years, and then I was sacked in two thousand and nine, uh, basically for pointing out what I think everyone knew that if you looked at all the different harms that drugs do and then totted them all up. Alcohol was the most harmful drug in the UK by a considerable margin. But the government didn't want to know that because the government likes to pretend that alcohol is just a a drink and a social lubricant and they really want to bury their head in the sands about the real harms of alcohol, which every family in Britain and I imagine every family in Ireland has got someone who's been damaged by alcohol. Yeah, no, I mean, alcohol has been huge. It's ingrained in our society, obviously, over the last few years as just a social drink and obviously we had big problems over the last couple of weeks and last weekend with pubs wanting to open sooner during the lockdown but when you say alcohol is the most problematic drug in you know in our country and probably around the world in many ways as well um, what evidence are you kind of basing that on well let's look at deaths three million probably three and a half million deaths now uh, each year premature deaths in the world from alcohol second only to tobacco so it kills a lot of people the difference between alcohol and tobacco is that tobacco kills old people whereas alcohol kills a lot of young people alcohol is the leading cause of death in men united kingdom under the age of 50 and women under 50 are now drinking more than men and it'll be the leading cause of death in women under 50 very shortly so it it's a it's a fun drug but it's also you know potentially a very dangerous drug now when we talk about alcohol obviously we're talking about um we were introduced to alcohol probably underage at times it was always you know a happy occasion that you would be drinking and Mm. not looked at as dangerous really i know obviously we now know the side effects and you know there has been studies that have said you know they it can cause cancer and so on but why do you think that it's a drug that has been so widely available to us for such a long time well it's uh, there are two major explanations the first is it's been strongly linked to the church and certainly you know the, the con- wine going going back to the bible wine being part of communion you know so 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 it's always had a special place uh, in 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 religion and religion of course mm. has, until the last century been an enormously powerful influence i mean in your country even more so than mine so that's the first thing the second thing is until about 1850 unless you lived in the really in the countryside you couldn't drink water because water was was a source of germs so people basically drank what was called small beer about two to two and a half percent beer and that was what you drank that you know you drank it all the time you know children drank it everyone drank it and then if you wanted to get drunk you you drunk you drank strong beer five percent beer so it's been part of our culture for thousands of years and people have therefore had to overlook the risks yeah so you're saying where it was drank back then as a way to obviously the alcohol helped maybe clean up the water or disinfect correct it did that's right yeah Absolutely, yeah. There's maybe one other thing to say about this, which is that back in the 18... in Ireland, in Britain, people... You could buy a whole range of different drugs. You could go to your pub and get beer. You could go to your pharmacy. You could get tincture of cannabis, tincture of cocaine, tincture of morphine. People had access to a whole range of different substances to to take away.
away some of the different pains in their life. But uh, over the last century, the drinks industry is very efficient. The drinks industry has kind of worked together to eliminate all other drugs. And, and now the only competition they've got is tobacco. And of course, tobacco isn't really competition because people, you know, usually use one to just encourage smoking the other or, or, you know, using the other. In terms of drugs in general, is there such a thing as a safe drug? Well, I, people ask that question a lot. And I say, if you were to drink seven litres of water, you would die. So don't oh. do it. Now, not many people do, but in Britain each year, up to about 10 people a year have what's called psychogenic polydipsia. They just drink and drink and drink. They can't stop drinking. And they... So nothing's safe if you take it to excess. But there are definitely drugs which are more harmful than other drugs. So, you know, at the top of the, you know, drugs like fentanyl, these strong opiates, I mean, they, you know, they can kill you in tiny amounts. So they're all really dangerous. But alcohol, you know, is dangerous, can poison you. And three young people a week in Britain die of just of alcohol poisoning, often on their 18th birthday when they're sort of friends going and get them really drunk. So obviously we, we've kind of known about alcohol and there's been a more, the bigger push over here as well. You know, there's been um, new laws brought in to show to prevent uh, advertising at sporting events and that's obviously upset a lot of people and it kind of upset a lot of sporting bodies as well because a big part of their revenue came from alcohol sponsorship mm-hmm. and different things mm-hmm. like that. So in, in your, you know, if you had a magic wand and you were emperor of the world, how would you manage alcohol in our society? Well, you don't need to do anything really very dramatic and, and the reason I say that is because 20 years ago, the French realised, they, they had a commission to look at the harms of drugs, and they realised that alcohol was the most harmful drug in France. And, uh, and th- then they, they persuaded the French government to do just three simple things. The first one was to price out cheap alcohol. The second was to reduce the drink-driving limit, so people basically uh, were much less likely to drink and drive, so they reduced deaths on the road. And the third thing was to stop alcohol advertising. And w- wonder of wonders, since then, and the French have won the World Cup at soccer and they've been in the two finals of the rugby. So so the idea that you need alcohol advertising to have an effective sports industry is, is ridiculous. And the French, have, you know, they've made major, major advances. What we've done in Britain, and that's probably the same in Ireland, is that we've gone the opposite. We've actually allowed the price of alcohol to fall in real terms. So alcohol today is about three times more affordable than when I was at university back in the, the 19, uh, early 1970s. So we've let the, the real cost of alcohol fall and consumption has gone up, whereas in France, consumption's gone down. But what's great about France is that they're drinking better quality alcohol. And probably doing it spaced out over dinner as opposed to what we do here in Ireland. That's the, the binge culture, which is, you know, become quite excessive in some places, hasn't it? I mean, that's uh, that's also a fascinating sort of uh, phenomenon. I mean, it, there's always been a, a Northern European tradition, probably goes back to the Vikings, that, you know, you get really drunk and then go and fight because that <laughs> alcohol deadens the pain. But we've seen, you know, the average, I mean, you know, there are companies out there selling shots so to deliberately to get people drunk fast, which and that's the most dangerous way to get drunk, because the faster you get drunk, the more you lose control. So I'm assuming there was no positives when it came to psychedelic studies that you looked into with alcohol. There was no benefit to maybe including alcohol in a way to cure mental health problems? <laughs> well, there are one or two things that if you've got nothing else, then alcohol, you know, if you're going to have your leg amputated, you're at sea, and all you've got is you know, a rum locker, then getting drunk on rum is one way of de- deadening the pain. So there are times when alcohol was actually quite useful. I think it gave, it gave people courage.
courage in, in battle. You know, I mean, it was the British Navy. I mean, you know, the, the sailors were drunk, you know, until about, well, actually until 1974, sailors still got, got a rum ration every day. And it helps them put it with the misery of being, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. on these leaking ships. Sorry, just going back to the studies that you might have found have worked for certain kind of conditions, you know, anxiety, depression. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, so this is one of the reasons why alcohol is so widely used is that actually it does help deal with all sorts of different stresses and anxieties. It's not the best treatment for stress and anxiety or depression, but it's the most accessible. And of course, you don't have to tell anyone, you don't have to go to the doctor. So so a lot of people who become dependent on alcohol do so uh, because they are self-medicating for problems like anxiety and depression and bereavement and divorces um, and yeah I'll probably not yeah numbing the pain as opposed to maybe dealing with some of that traumas which might as you said lead on to a depression but exactly. would you ever would you ever suggest or like campaign for ever banning alcohol not at all no 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 absolutely not no because alcohol has the other reason alcohol is alcohol is a remarkable drug because it does give make people more sociable in small amounts it increases sociability conviviality chattiness so that alcohol is the ultimate social lubricant and that's that's where its real role should be and for most people that is why they drink most people mm. drink socially in order to just have more fun and of course what they're doing is you're dampening down a bit of anxiety meeting strangers you know you're getting a bit of confidence a bit of dutch courage but alcohol is a great social drug so for most people alcohol is a positive experience the problem is say 10 to 15 percent of people will end up having problems uh, and the other issue with alcohol is that you haven't got any alternatives and that's what i've been trying to do in developing my my alternative alcohol because you know i i think people getting rid of alcohol would just make life a lot more miserable but if we could find something that was as effective as alcohol in, in increasing sociability and you know, giving people fun without the risk to their liver and their brain, etc., then that would surely be the way to go. I'm kind of shocked and upset and frustrated that no one has invented, as you said, something with all the benefits of alcohol and none of the hangovers. I think that needs to be the next frontier of science that we can... Well, that's uh, what I'm doing. I've been, I, I mean, but you'll be even more shocked. I mean, I have. we have invented compounds that we can put into drinks that do that. The real problem is getting people to invest in it because people say, whoa, it's never been done. And I say, no, that's, that's why we need investment. Yeah, but, I mean, you know... You know Know, what will the drinks company say? And I say, well, hopefully they'll buy it because it, I'm <laughs> sure if you, people were out there having a choice, you know, if you had a choice of something that was like alcohol but much less harmful, you, most people would probably choose the, the alternative, the safer alternative. Obviously, the people that want to get drunk to fight wouldn't, but because and we, you know, we it wouldn't. We're working on a, a scientific program where, where you can actually get rid of those worst excesses of the alcohol. You know, the, the aggression and the uh, dependence and addiction and withdrawal. So most rational people, I think, would go for a, a, the less harmful option. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the moment, here in Ireland anyway, there's kind of non-alcoholic bars opening up and they seem to be kind of doing pretty well and non-alcoholic beers that are, they're selling in shops and stuff seems to be going down a treat as well. But I guess, you know, the thing about that is you're not getting the same buzz that you would get obviously. From yeah, for most people and me and myself included and I'm sure you, most people, if you look back over the sort of hundred most fun times of your life, probably 50 of them are <laughs> alcohol involved. <laughs> Fair enough. So Han, when is, uh, when is your compound and uh, if we're going to you know, reach the market and be available? Well, the once we, we, we're in the process. We, 
we're working on the investment memorandum. That's going to go out next month, and hopefully we'll start getting investors because it's taking a molecule, taking a compound through to the food pathway to, to make it a, a licensed food is quite expensive. It's going to cost many millions of pounds. But uh, we hope that investors will be positive, and uh, if we get the funding from investors, then I think in four to five years it can be out there. I think That'd myself and Cormac, insane. we could be guinea pigs, couldn't we? We could be influencers for you. We could, you know, jump on our <laughs> socials and go, hey, big thanks to Professor Nutt and all the guys for uh, hooking up with this uh, new molecule but that's insane that's amazing very happy if I, I mean I, was, I think yeah hopefully we'll get some Irish investors you guys have been a bit <laughs> of ahead of the game in terms of cannabis so maybe you'll want to jump on the uh, the Alcarel bandwagon I'd be delighted to have uh, Irish money <laughs> yeah yeah uh, Alcarel god who knows we'll, we'll see about that we'll talk off the call we'll talk investment we'll get in there beforehand and go here listen uh, what's going on but uh, with regards to um, I know you've done a lot of work obviously with alcohol um, other drugs that you've looked at over the years again from I know you're very much trying to look at these drugs from a data-driven and evidence-based kind of point of view. Mm-hmm. Is there any drugs that are out there that are Class A uh, illegal street drugs that you think either maybe shouldn't be illegal or shouldn't be as restricted as they currently are? Oh, absolutely. Magic mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, to put mag- magic mushrooms in Class A alongside crack cocaine is a... a, a, a <laughs> An act of utter stupidity, just a pure political act. Magic mushrooms were legal in Britain until 2005, and then David Cameron, when he was in opposition, tried to scold Tony Blair into into doing something, and Tony Blair completely overreacted and made them illegal. So, of course, magic mushrooms should should never be controlled at all. And actually, in some parts of America now, they're they're breaking free. Oakland, Denver, they're basically, they've now been legalized. So, yeah, absolutely, magic mushrooms should be, because they, they contain a substance called psilocybin, which is actually a very useful turning out to be, it looks like a, a very useful medicine. Are there any Class A drugs that there's actually some benefits to them somewhere? Well, MDMA them? also. So MDMA, M, when MDMA was discovered in the 1970s, it was used for psychotherapy. It was used to help couples. You know, it might have sorted out Brad Pitt and his and Amber if they'd taken some MDMA together instead of fighting. <laughs> then the then it was, it, when it was discovered, it was called empathy and it was used to help couples get back together after the sort of, you know, you know what it's like after over the years you graduated the sort of grit builds mm. up between you and, and MDMA cuts through all that but then of course someone in Ibiza thought hang on this is a this is, looks like amphetamine oh let's change its name from empathy to ecstasy and let's start flogging it and boy and the kids you know the kids liked it and, and it, you know you could have fun and dance and love everyone but the name changed everything as soon as politicians saw kids having ecstasy they were determined to ban it so there's a drug you know we've just finished a trial using MDMA just two doses two weeks apart for people with, who are drinking to suppress trauma. We've had powerful effects. It helps people overcome the trauma so they don't need to drink anymore. So those are the two drugs that really controlled drugs which are very, got real u- potential utility in medicine. And then of course it's cannabis, medical cannabis. I mean that, that's, that's a treasure trove of, of, of different medicines. But uh, I think you're beginning to get, have you got that, is it legal in Ireland now? Medical uh, cannabis? No, uh, it's no. not. It's still kind of um, that they're, I think they're working, trying to decriminalise it at the moment. Anyway, I think CBD oils is, is, is a different uh, situation. I think you can in some situations get it, but, it, you know, we can't, we're nowhere like some of the states in America, like Colorado, right. where you can yeah. go in and, and purchase it as, as of yet, but um, there is so, a lot of people, I think, here pushing for the next um, reform in, in our laws to kind of tackle um, cannabis and things like that, but is there any, what, what would be your views then on, on you know, some of the other class drugs? Like, I imagine heroin would be something that would continually need to be 
strictly regulated and tightly controlled. Yeah, because heroin, you know, if you if you just inject too much, I mean, inject the first thing to say, any drugs you can inject should be more controlled than any drugs you can't inject because injection is a way more dangerous way of taking drugs, so it maximizes their harm. So, so but opiates have by and most opiates are pretty dangerous because they stop you breathing. I mean, heroin's bad, fentanyl's worse, crack cocaine's pretty bad as well because as you smoke it, you get very high levels in the brain and. Um, and that can kind of permanently distort your brain so that you get very mm. addicted. So those are the those are the two most and crystal meth is also a pretty a pretty unpleasant drug again if you smoke it. The other three drugs that I think should still be class A to be honest. I think everything else could move down to B or C or come out completely. Do you think you'd see less death in certain countries if we had focus more on, on weed as opposed to alcohol or would you see any difference? Yeah, I think I think you would. I think if we I read a paper a few years ago, it was called A Tale of Two Intoxicants. And we compared the harms of alcohol and the harms of cannabis. And uh, almost every single measure, cannabis is less harmful than alcohol. And the reduction in violence would be so nice. You know, I mean, it, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Amsterdam on a Friday night, Saturday night. It's fun. Everyone's stoned, giggly, happy. Whereas, you know, if you go to any pretty much any town in England or Scotland on a Friday or Saturday night, everyone's biting, vomiting. It, the difference is amazing. And, and you know, this. well, you saw how, how many police were injured last, you know, the last... Saturday night when they opened the... I mean, I think there were, what, 37 police were injured in Britain, in England, in England. In one night, people are stoned, they don't get violent. So how how do you think then you'd come back... Because I'm sure, and I know you get a lot of pushback off, one, people who hear you talk about these drugs and I think just have a knee-jerk reaction that things like magic mushrooms are just terrible, terribly bad, and, and ecstasy. Because I know, I think you might have mentioned this before and in various different talks or interviews you've done, that ecstasy, there was nearly like a... I don't want to say a smear campaign against the, against the drug, but there was, there was definitely a, a public health campaign in the 90s, I think it was, that was putting the fear of God into ecstasy. Yeah, and who funded that? Well, the drinks industry, because when ecstasy was very popular in the 80s, the only time in the last 50 years when drink sales started to fall and the drinks industry was really terrified that young people were switching from uh, alcohol to ecstasy, so they decided to demonise ecstasy and they were very effective. They, They got it banned and they've got it into class A and uh, and it's been stuck there ever since. When I was yeah. younger, I remember my mom had put a picture and it was horrific. A girl had passed away from taking an ecstasy. Leah Beth. Leah Beth. And she, That's right. she, she had put it on my fridge in, in our house. I was probably about 12 or 13 and I remember yeah. for my yeah. 17th birthday, she gave me a bottle of, I think it was Smirnoff Ice, some alcoholic drink. Oh no! Kind of, oh, yeah, introducing God. me to, to alcohol <laughs> but, you know, the thoughts of that ecstasy, that picture of that girl who took ecstasy and passed away, that was you know you never touch a drug and that's just the way it is and that's how I was brought up so to even hear you say that there could be in a controlled situation that it wouldn't be as bad it's a medicine it's a medicine and again you know it's all about politics the the, the MDMA was banned in Britain because it was the way that the the, uh, Tory party could score you know they could say we're hard we're tough on drugs and we uh, just like you know they were just following the it was the Reagan you know the, the Reagan Nixon war on drugs we were just following what the Americans mm. said well and uh, the drinks industry was strongly um, colluding and and, and in mis- putting out the misinformation about it in America I mean it's all I mean how how bad it is here in America you can go to 
In America, the penalty for possessing ecstasy is they treat ecstasy as a combination of LSD and cocaine. So if you got 50 ecstasy tablets, you go to prison for the rest of your life. So they, because they double, you know, they, they, they add together mm. the sentence. This is, is it? There's a hysteria about ecstasy, and I think it's it's because of the name. You know, the people, you know, old judges, old politicians hate the idea that young people might be having ecstasy. I mean, what was that? Did I ever have that? No, probably not. Oh God, they shouldn't have it then, should they? <laughs> Um, would you ever see something like MDMA then being fully legalized, or how do you think that it would be best managed? Like, yeah, I think it'll. I think it will come. I think it'll always be a medicine. Hopefully, in the next few years. My own personal view is that MDMA should be available for people, um, probably in some sort of arrangement. So you know, you'd have a, a smart card. It would be sold in pharmacies. You might be allowed to maybe say have twelve doses a year, or you know, one dose a month or something, and you know, say pay an eighty milligram. You know, it could be it could be made available in a in a controlled license setting, as I say, with sort of digital recognition of the U and it would be harder for you know for people to get excessive amounts of it and then I think people would use it sensibly rationally and you know they use it on special occasions in the same way as you might you might use a you know very expensive champagne or something it is possible to overdose on ecstasy and we've got ourselves in this awful situation and so here's an example this is perhaps one of the worst examples of how the hysteria about a drug has actually led to it becoming much more dangerous so ecstasy was banned for political reasons people just didn't you know, politicians just didn't like kids having fun yeah. kids wanted to have fun and after about 10 years after the ban it was clear to the united nations that um, kids were just using the same amount of ecstasy as they were using before the ban you know the ba- I mean, there's no it's almost impossible to find evidence of a drug ban stopping people using the drug <laughs> you just it's just it the therapeutic ability uh, use was removed anyway so then what did the united nations do they said oh well if this is what they're really naughty these people if we can't if the ban won't stop them using the drug. Let's ban the precursor, the, the, the chemical that's used to make the drug. Yeah. So they did that. They banned saffron, and uh, nothing happened until they eventually, 10 years later, they, there was a seizure of 50 tonnes of saffron in Thailand. And uh, that's half the world's supply for making ecstasy. And the United Nations went fantastic front page of the newspaper. We've broken the back of the ecstasy market. They won't be able to make as much ecstasy as before because we have destroyed the precursor. But what they didn't realise, and what they should have done if they thought about it, is if you're a chemist, if you're an underground chemist in China, and you've got an order for, you know, a kilo of ecstasy, ecstasy and uh by friday and suddenly you can't get your saffron from thailand what do you do mm. well you don't put your hand up and say sorry gov you know i can't do that shall i make an antibiotic instead because they just shoot you so you think shoot what am i going to do i've got to, i've got to find another oil so they found another oil it's got aniseed oil and aniseed oil could never be banned because it's in heat all sorts of cosmetics and food mm. so they just turn aniseed oil into they put it through the same chemical process as they would have put saffron but instead of getting mdma because uh aniseed oil is slightly different from saffron they got a thing called pma paramethoxyamphetamine which is a bit like ecstasy you can sell it as ecstasy it can it can give people a bit of a high a bit of a cause a heart to beat a bit faster but it's much more toxic mm. so suddenly in 2008 we started seeing people dying and i guess the same was in ireland but in britain we had hundreds of deaths from people taking pma thinking it was ecstasy so we actually created deaths by encouraging the production of a more toxic substance but then what got worse was after about five years the chinese were out well Let's, let's find another way of making MDMA. Let's forget saffron. Let's start with something else. They, they discovered a new way of making it. And that was a lot cheaper. 
And now MDMA prices have, have dropped to about a fifth of what they were before. So in the old days, it was a 50 to 100 milligram tablet. Now it's a 250 milligram tablet because it's so cheap. So we've had, and now people are dying because people are buying a gram of MDMA and often without any understanding of, of it taking a whole gram and dying. So we've created, we've caused deaths through PMA in trying to ban and block MDMA production. And now we've got much cheaper MDMA, so we've got deaths from lots of MDMA as well. So it's, a, it's too, an example of this stupid policy of trying to restrict access with giving paradoxical negative effects. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of in, yeah, there's yeah. one of the, obviously the negative side of side effects of uh, banning and pro- prohibiting different things leads to underground, unregulated things uh, causing Precisely. more damage in, in the long run. So, um, listen, Professor, we could sit here and talk for days I think about a range of different things that you have been uh, studying over the last number of years. Um, unfortunately, we do have to move on at the moment, but uh, I know you're on Twitter and you have a few different um, kind of organizations that you're involved in but it, well, where would be the best place to find you online and, and read more about what you're doing yes yeah, so i have a, i set up a charity when i was sacked by the government i set up a charity called drug science that's got a very nice website that tells the truth about drugs so you can go onto drug science and follow me drug science but also you can follow me on twitter prof david nutt on twitter and uh, and right. also you can read my books I got a book on alcohol called Drink Question Mark, and I've just got a new book out called Drugs Without the Hot Air. So feel free to read those and uh, and communicate with me about what you think. Yeah, David, thanks a million for popping on. Well, thanks for giving me so long. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.